Arizona Sports, sports. the local sports sports leader, Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset, brought to you by Collins Comfort AC and Plumbing, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals, 4 o'clock reset. Halfway home on this Thursday afternoon here on the Burns and Gambo show, so let's get you caught up on everything that's been going on in the world of sports today, good, bad, indifferent, we've had a little mixture of all of it today, our first unfortunate top story of the day today is this. The final seconds tick away, and the final score here tonight, 125 to 98. The Boston Celtics continue their winning ways. Celtics get the win. Humiliated two games in a row. Um, You don't expect that from this Phoenix Suns team. They just didn't even compete last night, which is extremely frustrating. Just didn't even compete. Monty pulled the bench. Five five minutes left in the third quarter said, okay, this game's over. We're done. Yeah, you usually, we have become so accustomed. If they're going to lose like they did against Dallas, we are so accustomed to seeing them respond to that, improve off of that, react to that. Man, we didn't get any of that last night. They retreated last night instead of advancing. And then New Orleans coming up. Number one seed in the West right now. Now, Pelicans head coach Willie Green has announced already forwards Brandon Ingram and Herb Jones are out for tomorrow's matchup. But they do have back-to-back games against the Pelicans, and they're both in New Orleans. One on Friday, one on Sunday. So once again, we're in this position, Gambo, of seeing how do the Suns respond to that level of humiliation. Even Devin Booker said last night after the game, said, look, usually I'm about kind of flushing these things, but we need to spend some time like reflecting a little bit. It's a long play ride to New Orleans. We need to think about what's gone wrong these last two games because it's it's it was awful. It was absolutely awful. No, it was brutal. I know, and I, I love those back to backs when you're you know back back to back when you're playing two games in in one city. I like that. So you'll get two against New Orleans by Monday. After 294 days, the United States and Russia have agreed on a prisoner swap, bringing home Mercury Center and two-time Olympic gold medalist Brittany Griner. Here's the commissioner of the WNBA, Kathy Engelbert. Grateful to the administration in the State Department. I was personally emotional at today's events because you never know until the end. These are geopolitically complex times and the moment, and so I'm overjoyed. And let's not forget BG's fellow WNBA players, too. They advocated every day for her and the whole women's basketball ecosystem. Really grateful today. It's a great day. We look forward to BG having her time and space and recovering from this whole awful ordeal. Yeah, listen, it comes at a at a real heavy price, you know, having to give up uh, Victor Bout, the Russian arms dealer. And uh, but, you know, listen, that punishment for Brittany Griner, probably, you know, in, th- in this country that that doesn't fit, that you be prison for that long. And but in Russia, it does. There was definitely a price to pay. She committed a crime. She it just seemed like it was an absurd amount of time that they wanted to keep her in jail. Look, we're all happy that she's home. And uh, that's it. That's great news. It's just, you know, now, you know, you, you, you hope that she could get on with her life. You hope that there wasn't any damage done for the nine months, ten months that she was there and she can get back to her life. Whatever she decides to do, whatever, you know, with her wife, with her WNBA, whatever she decides to do, you hope she can be happy doing. I was thinking about that, too, the trauma she must have gone through and how do you get over something like that? It's interesting. CBS News was the first to report on this. They actually learned. Learned last Thursday that a grinder for Victor Bout swap was in the offing. The White House asked them to not report it because they were worried that by reporting it, it would have blown it up. 
and it would have ceased for it to happen. Really? Yeah, so CBS said, we we actually have known about this for about a week, and the, the White House specifically asked us not to report it because it was so fragile that if we had, it might have stopped it from happening. So that is certainly the good news from the WNBA and the NBA and all of basketball. We heard from Zach Ertz today. He gave us a little more information on his season-ending knee injury, and it sounds like it was a bad one. Yeah, it was uh, ACL, MCL. Um, we didn't know exactly. We didn't think the ACL was involved early on. And then it just, it was partially torn, and it wouldn't have lasted uh, long term. So we had to go in and get both done. And I'm glad it's behind me now. I would, I would have hated to, hey, let's see if it can hold up long term. And then we regret that decision in the year. So now once, once I get fully healthy and ready to go, I'll be back to myself. ACL and MCL. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah, it was nasty. Did he mention how long the recovery is going to be? I don't know if he did or not. Eric, do you know if he mentioned anything specifically? He said the plans to be back by week one, and then he was asked if he was going to come to training camp. He's like, I got to see how I feel before that. So not sure. That's a long recovery. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's a long recovery. Cardinals' first injury report of the week, which is normal given that they're playing on Monday Night Football and not on a typical Sunday. Uh, The guys who didn't practice, uh, Rashad Coward, DeAndre Hopkins with an illness, Rondale Moore with a groin, Byron Murphy Jr. with a back injury. Uh, Tristan Hill and Charles Washington were limited. Greg Dortch practiced in full with a thumb injury. Give it up to Bobby Hurley and ASU men's basketball. They are rolling right now. And now a steal by Frankie Collins. Collins over to Des Cambridge. Cambridge from downtown. Bullseye! Oh, doctor! How about this comeback by Arizona State? They were down 33-28 at halftime. ASU outscored SMU 47-24 in the second half. They're now 9-1 on the season, Gambo. Listen, we talk about transfer portals all the time, and four of their starters are transfers. Like, you know, talking to Bobby Early's doing an amazing job. The 9-1 start, ASU, ASU has had at least nine wins in its first 10, uh, 10 games. This is just the fifth time in the past 48 years that they've done it. So a tremendous win over SMU. They're in really good shape right now to play well, get to the NCAA tournament without trying to be in a play-in game or anything like that. So Bobby Hurley doing a terrific job and really taking advantage, getting some really good Division One players, all Division One players that transferred into ASU. In other ASU news, and this was something that you hinted at on your Twitter account this morning, tight end Jalen Connor, Conyers announced his return to ASU today after teasing some transfer portal news yesterday. Yeah, I was able to, uh, you know, this morning say that I would expect that this information from what I am hearing is that Jalen is staying at ASU. I put that out there this morning at about 7.20. He tweeted a few hours later that he is staying at ASU. That's good news. He was playing really good football down the stretch for the Sun Devils. But the transfer portal giveth and it taketh away. Sun Devils starting center Ben Scott did enter the transfer portal, so we'll see where he ends up. Earlier today, Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov spoke to our buddy John Wilner, and he commented on Deion Sanders' impact. Quote, he absolutely adds value when it comes to the media rights, close quote. Klyovkov suggesting they were holding off on their TV deal because he knew that Deion Sanders' hire was covering, was coming, and he believes that Deion Sanders being a coach in the Pac-12 means more money for the Pac-12 really? when it comes to their media rights. Interesting. Yes. You would think Colorado's Colorado. It's only a certain size TV market, but having a big-name coach like that? Maybe there's the belief that he's really going to get that program rolling and bring in great players and it will add value to the conference. Are people tuning in to watch Dion coach? 
I think that becomes the question. And if, if so, win. what's the monetary value of that in a media rights deal? Don't know the answer to that question. Former Cowboys coach Jason Garrett and Sacramento State coach Troy Taylor are among the finalists for the Stanford head coaching job, according to Pete Thamel. It'll be interesting to see if Jason Garrett got that gig. Yeah, he's been out of uh, coaching for a little bit. Last served as the Giants off- offensive coordinator for uh, 2020 and 21. Then he was a broadcaster for Notre Dame football games. Yep, Coyotes finally done with their 14-game road trip. Boy, they ended it on a rough note last night. They The Suns weren't the only ones who had a rough night. 8-2 to two loss to the Edmonton Oilers for the Coyotes. They are back home, back at the Mullet Arena tomorrow for the first time in a month as they're hosting the Boston Bruins. And I'll tell you this right now. Here's a little nugget. Keep your eye on the L.A. Kings and a possible Jacob Chikrin deal. Mm. Keep your eye. A lot of interest right now, but keep your eye on the Los Angeles Kings as a possible destination and a trade for Jacob Chikrin. We talked about it earlier. Xander Bogarts to the Padres. 11 years, $280 million. Outfielder Masataka Yoshida and the Boston Red Sox agreeing on a five-year $90 million contract. That has not stopped Red Sox fans from being very upset that the Red Sox are letting Xander Bogarts walk away. Their fans have not been happy with the management of that baseball team for the last couple of years. When when you're a big market team and you lose somebody like that, it's like, wait, you've got the money. Yes. Like, you've got the money. Same thing with Mookie Betts a couple of years ago and trading him to the Dodgers. It's like, wait a minute, you're the Boston Red Sox. You can't afford that? Right. Yeah. Thursday Night Football tonight in the NFL, the Rams versus the Raiders. Is Baker playing? Haven't heard officially yet, but there's there's a belief that he could. Is Uh, Baker makes that game more interesting? Like, I would watch it if he plays. It sure does. And the Falcons have benched Marcus Mariota. Of course they have. They're going to go with Desmond Ritter, the rookie quarterback out of Cincinnati. That includes a game that they'll play against the Arizona Cardinals in a couple of weeks. Yeah, you know why they benched Marcus Mariota? Because he sucks? Because he sucks. Oh, okay. Well, I just thought there was a trick question. No, no, it's just he sucks. Marcus Mariota's terrible. Like, that's why they benched him. He's no good. There's no trick question there. No, he's just, he's terrible. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the Suns right now, we didn't think 72 hours ago they had any problems. Suddenly, that's all we can talk about are all the problems they have. Is their play against the Eastern Conference one of those problems? We'll talk about that coming up on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. One way or another, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you, get you, get you, get you, you know. One way or another, the Boston Celtics got the Suns last night. Yeah. And they got them, and they got them, and they got them again, and they got them again. Poor Gambo. Poor Gambo. For some reason, compelled to not only watch that game until its bitter end. I which, did. Which I did, too. You did, too? I, I'll admit it. I, I did, too. You tweeted at but, me. But for the love of all that's good and decent, taking copious notes during the fourth quarter of that game... That's why we worry about you, my friend. I'm worried about me, too. That's, that's why. That's, well, good. I'm worried about me, too. you worried about yourself. That's why we worry about you a yeah. little bit, because that's where, that's where it's time to ease up on the reins a little bit. You know, yeah. just kind of slow down going around third base and just go into your home run trot for the night. Not sprint as hard as you can into home plate. Right. You know? Just I know. I need take, help. Take it I easy. I need help. Take it easy. It's got to be some kind of psychologist that could help me with something like this. <laughs> What's your problem? Sure. I, I like to take notes, doctor. Runs are down 45. I'm still writing down every single play in the game. 
<laughs> Every single time. Yeah. Uh, just trying to Some help. Devils aren't going to a bowl game, yet I'm still watching. Help me help you, Gambo. Help me help you. That's all we're trying to do here. Uh, it was a, it was obviously by now everybody knows exactly what happened last night. The Suns were down by 45 points in the third quarter, and Monty said, that's it. Pulled the plug. All the starters came off. All five at the same time, which is truly the whitest of all the white flags you could fly if you're any NBA coach. Like, yeah, that's it. My guys are done for the night. We're talking about a lot of problems for the Suns. Some of them are small. Some of them are big. Some of them might be short term. Some of them might be long term. I don't. I want to talk about this for a few minutes because I'm. I'm really curious to see how strongly you believe in this. How much of an Eastern Conference problem do you think the Suns have after last night? I think night? it's something to look at. Um, I, I do think it's something to look at. They. They've been getting. Look, the Suns were in first place in the Western Conference going into that game yesterday. And they've got a losing record against teams in the East. Okay, they have a losing record against those teams. So for some reason, I went and because there was a note that I saw today about the last night about the Celtics. Last night, it was the Celtics are seven and zero against the Western Conference this season. They're averaging one hundred and twenty two points per game with an average margin of victory of thirteen points. They're also shooting fifty percent from the field, thirty nine percent from three, eighty three percent from the free throws in those games. So it had me thinking, and I, I, I saw that nugget last night that the Celtics are 7-0 against the West and they're beating everybody up by 13. And I said, I wonder how the Suns would do against the East. But then I got tired and I went to sleep and I said, I'll do it tonight after I get back from the gym. You wasted all your energy taking all those notes for a game that I was, was well over. I yeah, was, well, you, you was, wore yourself out. Yeah. I was tired. So I went to sleep, but I you know, I was able to write down, hey, remember to like remember to do this. So I got up this morning and said, like, let me go through the game. So I said, here they are. They lost to Philly, 188. That's 12 points. They lost to Orlando, 114 to 97. That's 17 points. They lost to Miami, 113-112. That's one point. Now, they beat the Knicks, 116-95. They beat Detroit, 108-102. And they beat Chicago, 132-113. Before they lost to Boston, 125-98. Double-digit losses to Philly, Orlando, and Boston, plus another loss to Miami. Their wins are against terrible teams, Chicago, Detroit, and New York. So they, like, while well, the Celtics are 7-0, and and I use this just as a comparison to really just go show, show you how good the Celtics are and why maybe the Suns are not at that level. The Celtics are 7-0 and against the West. The Suns are 3-4 and against the Eastern Conference with three of those losses by double digits. Yeah. Does it mean anything? I don't know. Uh, the Suns have nine losses in general, which means they've got five losses against the West. Two of those games have come again. I'm looking at their, their Western Conference losses. They've lost two games against Portland. They've lost a game against Utah. They lost a game against Houston. They lost a game against Dallas. So, I mean, Portland's, you know, Portland got off to a good start. They've they've cooled off a little bit as of late. Um, Utah got off to a good start. They've cooled off as of late. Dallas isn't, you know, one of the elite teams in the Western Conference, but they lost there too. I don't know. It's a, it's a good question, and it's, I, I guess... In some ways, we'll find out this weekend when they play New Orleans, you know, because that's okay. Now you're back into a Western Conference team. Do they do? But I, I don't. The only reason I could see why that would make a difference is if you're trying to make the argument that I'm not saying you are, that the real elite teams in the NBA are in the East and the Suns can't handle those teams very well. You know, like that. Then, then I would okay. Let's look at let's look at it that way because it's not like a time zone thing. It's not like their bodies are tired or anything like that. I, I think the argument would be 
the great teams this year in the NBA are in the East, and the Suns are going to struggle against those great teams because that's where they're concentrated. You had a story the other day about teams, and you had them broken down into tiers. There were three teams in Tier 1. Two of them were the East. It was Milwaukee and Boston. Yep. The Suns were the only team in the West that was in Tier 1. I would think that Milwaukee and Boston are better than anybody else in the West right now. Like, I, right now, that's what I would think. Them, listen, Boston looks like a damn juggernaut. I mean, this is it was, watching that team play, you know, you're impressed. How, do you, how are you not impressed by how good they are? And you look at it and you say, your team is not at that level. Like, yeah. your team is just not at that level. Did you see what Chris Paul said after the game? And I, and I, I, I saw some of the comments. I, I, um, which one are you talking the about? One in, the one in particular I'm talking about was the one where he said, they look like we did a year ago. You remember a year ago? Suns blew yeah. through the NBA like a hot knife through butter, right? Because right, they were frustrated with... Yeah, I get that. And, and, and the Celtics look like that team that lost the NBA Finals and they're hell-bent on taking it out on everybody. You know, it, just like the Suns were this time a year ago. It, and and I, I privately kind of made that same observation last night watching the game. Like, man, the Celtics, they remind me of the Suns a year ago. Yeah. Well, they're just not going to be denied. You got that one for me? Will you play, will you play it for me, Chris? Go ahead. Or, or, you know, you got to give them their credit. They played well. You know, it's funny. They looked a lot like we did last year. You know what I mean? Coming off a of finals loss, they look like a real old machine. I watched them play a lot, too. You know, they got a lot of confidence. You see, they got a lot of trust. And so, uh, you know, we got to keep building. I'll tell you something else they did. And this goes into a conversation we've had all day. They went out and got Malcolm Brogdon. Boy, mm-hmm. he made a difference last night, didn't he? Was, he was great. They went out and got Danilo Gallinari. And I know he's hurt and he's not playing. They didn't sit back on their laurels and just kind of let it be. They recognized some weaknesses. They went out and addressed them. I don't know how long Malcolm Bragdon's going to hang in there. He gets hurt a lot. But boy, he when he came into the game, that was the difference in that first quarter, right? The first quarter when it he was, came in? It was one of the differences, at least. When he came in, it was a fairly even game. He comes in, and that's a, when Boston goes on that run. It's a three, it was a 17-2 run. He comes into the game, he hits a three-pointer to make a 28-18. He blows by Torrey Craig for a reverse layup. That made it 30 to 18. Yeah, he was a key he was a key player for them in a 17 to 2 run. It was 16-13 Phoenix and then it was 30-18 Boston. 17 to 2. Yeah, Brogdon was a big player. He's been really good for them. You know, he's been injury prone and, and the question is whether he can hold up or not. But they seem look, there was a story Celtic statement went over the Suns is meaningless if they don't hang a banner. And here's what they said. Here's what Tatum said in the locker room after the game. Well, we're having fun and happy with the way we're playing. Nobody in that locker room is celebrating or satisfied with where we're at. None of this means anything if we don't hang a banner, okay? They're not all gung-ho over beating the hell out of the Suns. They got Golden State coming up next. That's another challenge for them. But they're just looking at it. This is one game. Phoenix is a great team. Played hard. But, like, it, for them, it's like they're, they, you know, they got a taste of it last year like the Suns did the year before. And, you know, it, it, it sits in your stomach. It hurts yeah. that you lost in the finals. And, they're, you know, they're very much like the Suns trying to play great basketball to get back. So we've got the Burn. Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. You'll never miss any of the shows. The Burns and Gambo Show podcast is brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. The last two games have been ugly for the Suns, especially and maybe notably after falling behind almost immediately. The trend of slow starts. Where does that rank on our airing of grievances today when it comes to the Suns? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show.
Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. That's us on this Thursday afternoon coming off a humiliating loss by the Suns to the Boston Celtics last night. And of course, New England Patriots, the whole Boston-Arizona theme gets a continuation on Monday night football when the Patriots are in town. We'll talk a little more about that Suns game. First, let's get an update on our Twitter poll question of the day and let's turn it back over to Eric here on Burns and Gambo to do that. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. I like this question. This is a spicy one. I, I, I imagine it gets a lot of traction today, I would think. Yeah, it's, it's doing pretty good. We've uh, we've had some movement in the polls as well. Always the sign of a good poll question. But we're looking big picture on the Suns before diving into last night. You've got three options. It's a blank statement. The Phoenix Suns need to A, trade multiple assets for Kevin Durant, B, Upgrade, but not with a superstar. Or C, just wait and get healthy. I, C is the what option, that's just, you, you can't stand Pat. You can't. You can't stand well, Pat. And you, you've made yeah. the point, by default, you're not going to. At some point, you're going to make a Jay Crowder trade. Yes, so no right? matter what, you're going to do something. No matter what, you're going to do something. The question is, without knowing what that is, is that something enough? I, I, I feel like if they don't do anything... This season cannot result in a championship. Cannot. So they've got to do something. And depending on what Jay Crowder is, it's something might have to be even more than that. So I'm, I'm B. I'm a solid B on this one. I think you agree? I'm a yeah. B. Yeah. I'm a, yeah, I go B as well. Yep. B was leading the way two hours ago, but we've had a change. Now leading at 45.1% a? is A. Ooh. Trading multiple assets for Kevin Durant leading in 42%. 3% behind is B. Upgrade, but not with a superstar. And 13% think things are peachy keen. Just get healthy. <laughs> <laughs> well, to each their own, I suppose. I, maybe they were influenced by your passionate argument for Kevin Durant. About an hour ago, we had Kellen on. Your, your argument was, hey, look, if you're going to trade assets for a Kyle Kuzma, you might as well go all the way and trade assets for right, Kevin Durant. Right, that's you know? the thing. Like, hey, would you trade two first-round picks for Kyle Kuzma? No, I might as well trade four or five and get Durant. Okay, Kyle Kuzma's here for four months. Durant's here for four years. Durant's a better player. I mean, what, like at that point, if you've got to give up multiple first-round picks for a player... Just go get Durant. Go get Durant. See what you can do. Yeah. Monty Williams, last night, they got off to a bad start. They never recovered from it. The lack of shot making early, I thought, deflated us, and we just can't do that. You know, you have to be able to to overcome that. Usually your defense can make up for that. We didn't have either shot making or um, a high-level defense on the floor. That was Monty Williams after the game, in which he went on to say, look, the, what you saw last night, that's not what we're about. That, that was not what we've been used to around here. And um, not many times have I felt that way about a game where I just felt like we physically didn't handle the hands-on bodies or whatever it was. And then, you know, we just missed so many shots. Uh, I think we started out like one for 15 from three or something like that. And that was, you know, and then they were hitting shots. I mean, they had first three quarters, 31, 38, 35. You know, we just didn't play defense to the level that would at least give us a chance. And it wasn't like they were running tricky stuff. I mean, they, they got a number of and ones. I think they had seven free throws in the first half. I'm not quite sure, but it seemed like there was at least three or four and ones, you know. And so those 
plays against a team like that that's switching, you allow them to get a bucket and stop the game so they can set their defense. So overall, it's just a unbelievably tough night. If we're making a list of everything that went wrong last night or that is wrong with this team right now, and if we're just being fair about it, 72 hours ago, we wouldn't have been making any lists at all. We would have been telling you how great everything is. But these back-to-back bad losses against good teams have kind of given us a new vision and a new view of things. If I'm making a list of what went wrong last night, I'm starting that list with just how they started the game. And that was something that Monty spoke about in that first soundbite. Devin Booker missed his first four or five shots. And I felt like just watching the game from TV, watching from afar, that when, and I'm not trying to pin this all on Devin Booker, but I just thought when Devin Booker got off to that slow start, if you could just feel everything around that game getting real tight, Mikel got tight, DeAndre got tight. Everything got tight. The defense on the other end got real loose because they were thinking about the shots they were missing on the other end. It bled over into the defense that they were playing. Now you get book in foul trouble because he's frustrated because he's missing shots. If you're going to pin what happened specifically last night, and really the Mavericks game too if you think about it, on one very specific thing, I think by getting off to a poor start, and particularly Devin Booker getting off to a poor start, just put them in this position of, hey man, if he's not going to be Superman tonight, we're screwed. And everybody, you could just see everybody start to get tight and play tight because of that. And it can't, this can't be Devin Booker being Superman every night. That's not going to work, right? It's not. It's not going to work, but it's what's. It's necessary now with, you know, Chris not having played well and just getting ramped up again and no Cam Johnson. And, you know, I love Mikael Bridges, but, you know, I don't know that I could sit there and say, oh, Mikael's going to score 20-24 every night. That's not him. And DeAndre, although he made great strides, he also is not a consistently, you know, great player. He's good, and at times he disappears. So I know what you're saying. Book misses a shot, then he misses another shot. And these guys are looking at Book like, okay, now we're down 12 because you haven't hit a shot and we're in trouble. We're in trouble. That everybody gets tight and everybody tries to overcompensate yep. and they, they try to do things that they're really not supposed to be doing to make up for the fact that Booker's not making any shots. And normally, Devin Booker doesn't let that affect him too much, right? He still plays sound defense. He pl- still plays smart team basketball. Last night, it was really obvious. He let that get in his head. And I don't know if it was because of what happened at Dallas a couple of nights ago and, and maybe there was some carryover from that because he, he knew we got off to a bad start and he had a bad game and he didn't score in the first quarter. But I thought that frustration of him not scoring early caused him to get into foul trouble because he was frustrated, caused them not to play great defense because they were out of sorts by not making shots. And so, to your point, are we now at that point where they better get off to good starts, otherwise they're doomed? Like, because that, that was not always the case for the Suns. Even though they got down by 10 or 12 or even 15. They were never out of a game. They were never out that of a was game their like they in the past. Been. They were never out of a game. Like, if you don't, if you're not burying the Suns, they're going to get you in the fourth quarter. They're going to get you. You better be up by 20. Now, what's happened in the last two games is that these other teams had buried them so badly. You got to step on their throats and you got to destroy them. And 
that's what Dallas did, and that's what Boston did. Boston had a 27-point lead, and then I'm going to my notebooks here. It, it, my notebook, 36 after a Jalen three-pointer. 37 after a Blake uh, wide-open corner three. 39 after a Tatum three-pointer. 40 after a free throw by Tatum. 42 after smart scores. 45. They buried him. They buried him. If you let, if you keep the Suns within striking distance, their MO in the past has been, they're going to get you. They're going to get you. But So you have to be up on him big, which is why I think in some ways, you know, Tatum was in the game probably a little bit longer than he should have been, even though, and you look at the minutes, but and Jalen Brown, maybe a little bit, like probably could have got those guys out a little bit earlier with Golden State coming up. But yeah, I do think that um, it, it, it's, it. now you're looking at it and Devin Booker struggles and the rest of the team looks at that and they feel like we can't win. They need Devin Booker to play great to win games against good teams. I felt it last night. I, I felt he missed his first shot. I thought, okay. He missed his second, and already I'm thinking about it. As, as a fan, as an observer, already I'm thinking, okay, he had a bad start a couple days ago. He needs to, he needs to hit a basket here pretty quick, right? Just to, just to reverse it. And then he misses his next one. And he misses his next one. And now you know what? He's over four. And, and now, man, if I'm thinking about it, I get it. These are professional athletes. They're the highest competitors, you know, known to mankind. But you can't tell me somewhere in the back of his mind he's not thinking, oh, God, here we go again. Right. You know, and, and then Mikel, Mikel couldn't shoot last night. And now he's feeling the burden of being the number two because it's Chris Paul's first game back. Do you back. think he could ever be a number two? Mikel Bridges? I, I say no. I, I You know what? I still say yes, but he better get there. I think it's a three. You know, I, I, and you a might number be, two. You've talked about this. Like yeah, I, the problem is they since Chris is since Chris has taken a nosedive as a scorer, they don't have a number two. Is it Mikhail? Some nights the Mikhail, and some nights Mikhail can be your number two. But to sit there and say that he could be the Pippin to the Jordan, or you know, he could be that number two guy. We've talked about all these other teams I that know. have a number two guy. I don't think he could be the Jalen Brown to the Jason Tatum. Yep, I, I'll be the first to admit I might be believing in something that doesn't exist. I, I'll be the first to cop to that. Like I, I might be thinking that there is something there that is in fact not. Doesn't mean we don't love him as a player. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, it doesn't mean he's not worth every single penny he's getting from the Suns. I just see those nights where he has those offensive explosions, and I think to myself, why can't he do something like that every night? Maybe not to the tune of twenty-eight points, but in my mind, he's got the skill set. To score 20 points per night in this league. And, and that's what the, the Suns don't have a guy who, other than Booker, can consistently get 20 points per night in this league. And that's a problem. I think Mikel's got the skill set to get there, but I would, I would agree with you that if he's going to do it, man, you better get there. Who's more suited to do it, him or Cam Johnson? Cam Johnson. Because he's, of his shooting. He's a more natural offensive player. I, I think the Mikel with Mikel, he's he's kind of had to learn how to do it. With Cam, I think it just comes naturally. Yeah, I him. could say they miss. You know, who do they miss more? I mean, I think Cam Johnson with the scoring, but I'm telling you, in a game like last night, the physicality of Jay Crowder, I think they missed. I agree. I agree. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, heading to State Farm Stadium on May 14th, along with the Strokes. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. You can win a pair of tickets now by heading to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. When we come back on the Burnsing. Gambo show 11 years 280 million dollars thank goodness it wasn't the Diamondbacks spending big on that it's coming up on the Burns and Gambo show Burns and Gambo Arizona sports the local sports leader
tried set finish. Chewing the grape that was in the Warren's looking at me like, are you going to talk? Yeah, I'm going to talk. Give me just a minute. Hmm? You get paid to talk. I do. I get paid to speak. Speak. Sorry. Food in my mouth. <laughs> I have grape. Um, Got to get that energy for the second half of well, the show. You need the you know? carbs, right? You need a little, little natural, little nature's candy, right? Throw a couple of red grapes down there. Get some yeah. carbs going, right? Get the Yeah, absolutely. Mine's always got a nice little yogurt with some blueberries and strawberries there and you raspberries. Go, right? yeah. And yeah, that's my... When you do a four-hour like, show, you got to get that little spike, that, right? That little, that little energy. Yeah. Boom, strike yeah, Some red grapes and a cup of black coffee, and we're, we're good to go until straight up 6 o'clock. We'll get you there. Don't worry. We'll find a way to make it happen. Um, the Arizona Diamondbacks did not find a way to make it happen with Xander Bogarts, and that's just fine with us fine after with looking at the price tag on that bad boy. Right. 11 years, $280 million. I, I don't think, I mean, I understand what John Morosi was reporting, I, I and I understand probably why he was reporting what he was reporting. He was probably getting it from an agent who was trying to stir up a marketplace. I, I just think anybody who really knows how this works knows the Arizona Diamondbacks were not going to get Xander Bogarts. No matter how many times John Morosi tried to link the two of them, they were never going to spend 11 years, $280 million. And it wasn't just it was never going to happen. There, there were many national people. And I think, and again, I think it's it was Scott mostly Boris. Morosi. It was mostly Morosi. And, but I, it was a week earlier than that, that uh, like November 30th, where it came out today. The Diamondbacks are interested in, listen, they put a call in. They put a call in. A lot of teams put a call. What would it take? You know, what, what, what would it take to get you? over here? What would it take? You know, would you really be willing to switch positions? What kind of money? I think every team has to have that, but if you're the agent, you're going to make sure that everybody knows who called. Everybody. This team, and now they all want him. My guy, the best guy, the best baseball player in the world, and everybody's calling from even the Diamondbacks. They've spent big before. The, no, they, they were never going to get him. And when you look at the money he got, and especially after the, um, what was it, the Trey Turner deal? Yeah. Like, yeah, like, okay, he was going to get something similar to that. That's that's not a place you want to be. And me and you are big believers in this, too, because we've seen it our whole lives. You don't want to be that team that's got a guy under contract at 37, 38, 39, 40, 41. They don't work out those last three, four, five years. Well, you have to have a team that can afford to absorb that. The Diamondbacks aren't that team. I mean, it's okay for the Yankees to do it. It's okay for the Dodgers to do it. It's okay for the, the biggest market teams with the highest payrolls. Okay, they can afford to have a guy who's 38 years old who's making $35 million a year who's a bum. They can afford that. They can write that off. The Diamondbacks can't. Diamondbacks can barely afford Madison Bumgarner, and he's not that old. And he's not that expensive. And even they're like, oh, man, can we get off this contract? It's got two years left on it, and it's not doing us any good. It's, it's, it's a matter of your, your willingness to absorb that. The Diamondbacks don't, don't have that. Now, a lot of people think the Padres don't have it either, but that hasn't stopped them from doing it. I, them getting Xander Bogarts, and I was reading Jeff Passon's story today, and it's a great read because it's just like, of all the things the Padres needed, a shortstop wasn't really one of them. But they were just so hell-bent on getting one on getting one of the big fish. An elite player, no matter what position he played, no matter what he does for a living, we got to get one of those guys. And if it means moving everybody around, we're going to move Hayson Kim over to second. We're going to move Jake Cronenworth over to first. We're going to move Fernando Tatis to the outfield. We're going to have three guys that are making $275 million, and we don't care. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, it's like we're, we're going we're gonna to take this round peg. 
and we're going to take the square hole and we're going to take $300 million and we're going to pound it into that hole, whether it fits or not. And we don't we're care. We're spending 200 plus million on somebody. Who wants it? It almost feels like that. You know, like I've got to spend this money. I'm going to spend this money. I'm, I'm going to spend it, it on somebody. I don't care. I'm spending it on some, somebody's going to get this $280 million. Yeah, now look, to your point, Who wants it? if you're a Padres fan, you love it. You love your team. You love spending. your team yeah. doing this. Yeah. It's not your money. What do you care, right? You're, you got a team that's going got for a four-time it. All-Star. It hits three hundred. Sure. You're gonna you're gonna love it. Yeah. And listen, I think the Padres and I. I think they had a lot of problems with production at shortstop last year. They did. They did. I think that was one of the things. I don't think their batting average was very good. I think they did struggle um, at that position. So you bring in a guy who's a better 30 years. Listen, you're going to have him at 30 and 31 and 32 and 33. and 30. So I think for the next five years, you're good. Yeah, I think you're good. You'll get good production out of Xander Bogarts for the next five years. It's the problem is after that. You know, once you get on that, that north side of 35, heading towards 41, it's like, oof, what are you going to get out of the guy then? Yeah. Now you're lucky. You, you, you know the, the fortunate part is you've always got the designated hitter now, which can help prolong careers because you could take guys out of the field and have them DH for a certain amount of time. Or if a guy gets that bad where he can't field anymore, he just doesn't have any. You know, and, and he doesn't move very well, and there's no range anymore. You just make him a DH. Yeah, and, and you're right. And, a, and they're gonna have seven DHs on the Padres. Well, and that's what I'm saying is is that I just assumed. I think a lot of people did. If Fernando Tatis Jr. comes back, and okay, that problem solved, right? Or 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 even though the offensive production wasn't there, that the defense was there with Kim and that they could work around the lack of offense they were getting from shortstop. Not every team wants a lot of offense from their shortstop. It's not that big of a deal. Dimebacks didn't get in on that. That's fine. That's not that big of a deal. The the number one trend to come out of baseball's hot stove so far, and Jason Stark wrote about this today, and he's so right. Man, old dudes got paid. Xander Bogarts is going to be 40 when his contract expires. Aaron Judge is going to be 39. Trey Turner is going to be 40. Justin Verlander is going to be 41. Jacob deGrom is going to be 39 years old. Yeah, Coming off of a major injury. Didn't pitch a whole lot of innings. That's why I think it's almost what the Met, the Mets are getting a lot of good reviews for what they did. I'm going to overpay a guy a lot of money for two years, but I'm not going to have any money committed in year three. I would rather the Mets, I think the Mets said five years of DeGrom, of DeGrom or two years of Verlander for half the price. Give me two years of Verlander. We'll overpay him by $10 million. But two years of Verlander reunited with Max Scherzer, like with the Tigers, I would, you'd rather do that and not have that come in. Now, if the Grom falls apart, you know, now all of a sudden in a year or two, you're like, oh my God, I got three years left of the Grom and he can't pitch anymore and he's injured. And so that's the danger with pitchers. The, with pitchers, you got to be very careful. I think the right thing to do is what the Mets did. I'm going to overpay you, like way overpay you on a two year deal. I'm going to do it on a short term deal. Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't know. The other thing to consider, too, with the Padres, one last thing. We mentioned all the money to Machado and the money to Xander Bogarts and Fernando Tatis Jr. They dealt five of their top prospects for Juan Soto, and he turned down $440 million. He's going to be a free agent, what, at the end of the 2024 Yeah, and season? you're in that position where you have to keep him. You, ha- you, can't, you gave up your whole farm system. You can't not keep him. you got to keep him. 
You know, I mean, you're gonna let them walk after you gutted your farm system. It's a, it's a, it's the most aggressive way to run a baseball team, especially when you're not the New York Yankees or the Boston Red That's Sox. That's why it's the sixty dollars to park if you go to one of their games. <laughs> I paid sixty bucks to park. I'm not kidding. I went to a game over the no, summer. I believe it. Yeah, I pulled I in. Okay, it. I have sixty dollars. Sixty dollars. Sixty dollars. I'm just gonna park my car here for like three hours. Someone's got to pay Manny Machado's salary, dude. It might as well be you. I'm like she won sixty dollars for me to park here. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, everybody, James Jones included, was. Super excited to watch the top teams in either conference face off last night. Remember that enthusiasm? Yeah. Where did that go? That's next. Burns and Gambo.